Hello, hello. I'm Omero Spinoza, Senior Director of Production at Studio Resonate. And you're listening to Studio Resonate Speaks. Have you ever listened to an ad and realized how cool it was that you were able to visualize the scene just through sound? Mm, Maybe the copywriter found a perfect word to describe a relatable feeling, and it felt extra special to you because they did it con un toque de español. Or maybe it was the way the 3D audio elements danced around your head that really made an impact. Well, it's time to peek under the hood and learn more about how it all comes together from the best in the business. We'll take a deeper dive into the creative processes and hold conversations with industry leaders, look at the future of audio, and celebrate the diversity of our industry. And so for this series, we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. We'll be exploring the impact of biculturalism both in navigating our careers in this industry and the audiences we serve. Plus, we'll dive deep into our creative best practices when it comes to crafting an ad with an authentic voice. So, whether you're new to the business or a seasoned audio pro, we think you'll walk away from this show with your audio advertising knowledge turned up to 11. Welcome to our final episode. So today we are wrapping up our journey with a roundtable discussion featuring our notable interviewers from the series. Without further ado, let's dive right in. All right, we are at our final episode, and I am excited to welcome all of the folks who have been working on this podcast with either hosting or writing or just really putting together this the vision for this podcast mini series. And we're going to do a quick roundtable intro so that you can meet everybody. You've probably heard them speak during the podcast at some point, but so you can get a little bit more information on who they are, their cultural background, right? Right. We're not a monolith, right? So like, let's let's do that. Hi, hi. I'm Melanie Rosenzweig. I interviewed Nat. I'm born and raised in Costa Rica. And so I moved here for college. I would say that I consider myself just 100% Latina, Central American. Hey, I'm Antonio, Antonio Francisco. My background, see, my mother is Puerto Rican, uh, raised in Brooklyn, New York. I am from Massachusetts, and my father is Cape Verdean. So a lot of folks are like, well, what is that? Cape Verdean is it's an archipelago off the west coast of Africa that was colonized by the Portuguese for a while. So my name, in fact, actually doesn't come from my mother's, the, my Puerto Rican side. It actually comes from my father's Portuguese side. And I'm the multicultural creative director at Studio Resonate. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I am Laura Coronado. I'm a project manager here at Studio Resonate. Um, I was born in Venezuela and lived there till I was six, but I would say I was raised in Miami um, and currently living in New York. So a lot of South American and especially Caribbean influence uh, in my upbringing. Hi, I'm Natalie Leal and I'm Colombian. I'm actually three quarters Colombian and a quarter Palestinian. I was born and raised in the U.S., but my grandparents lived with us. Spanish was actually my first language. I didn't learn English until kindergarten and definitely grew up very, uh, you know, influenced by my Colombian roots, not just from a language perspective, of course, but through music and food and everything else that comes along with that. So very proud Colombiana over here. Nice, nice. Thank you. Yeah, and my name is Omero Espinosa. I am Mexican-American. I was born here on the West Coast. The reason why we did that is just to show you all that we're not a monolith. We come from so many different backgrounds, so many unique stories. And I feel like 
throughout this podcast, we got a glimpse into all the various backgrounds that make up Latinx, Latine, Hispanic, however you want to call it. So as we bring this to a close, all of these folks are really close to the work, really close to the stories. I'd love to get your input or your, you know, just your thoughts, like high level thoughts. If you were sitting here with an advertiser, with a client, like what are the two hot takes that you want to tell them, you know, to walk away with that really resonated with you uh, for this series? One of the things that I've been thinking about really based on just the way that I grew up, and I think um, Gabriel touched on this in his episode, is adjusting to the nuances depending on the audience that you're talking to. So like I shared earlier, I you know, grew up in Miami and a lot of my culture is based on being Venezuelan, surrounded by a lot of Colombians. Um, the Cuban influence in Miami is undeniable and inescapable. Um, and now living in New York, you know, you have a lot of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, etc., which might be a very different experience to, for example, Melanie and Natalie, who are based on the West Coast. And there's a lot more Central American um, and specifically Mexican influences on that side. So I think that that was a very important point and something I think about a lot. Um, sometimes we tend to focus on the representation of Latinos either being like a very neutral, no particular culture yeah. really peeks through the message. Um, or sometimes it really defaults to one or the other. It can be like very, very Mexican approach or very Caribbean approach, et cetera. But it's not going to affect your audience in the way that you want it if you're not talking to something that's culturally relevant for them. Um, so, for example, you wouldn't necessarily want to have like Mexican regional music playing in a spot that's going to be playing in Miami, for example, or targeted to an audience in Miami. And you wouldn't want, I don't know, salsa playing in something that's going to be in L.A. Um, so that's something that I think about a lot. And um, Gabriel and, and Antonio touched on that in their episode. And, and I think that that was really important to talk about. When I first started here, we we had an advertiser that was a really big advertiser uh, that was running ads, na national ads, but they were also running targeted ads. And we were running ads in South Florida. And I was the producer on the task. And I said, hey, we should be looking for a Cuban voiceover, you know, an actor who, who has a Cuban background. And at the time that like blew the mind of the advertiser because they were like, wait, what? Why are you going to do that? And guess what happened? The ad performed a lot better because folks resonated with the ad. And there wasn't a lot of, I think it was like, well, actually, our team has always been really, we've always had a lot of multicultural representation, which I feel very blessed for. But that speaks to what you just said, Laura, of like having that person, you know, speaking to the folks that we're trying to talk to. Yeah, no, I wanted to jump in on that topic because it's something really I've been thinking about since I went to Ad Color in 2019 that someone brought up, which is, We've spent so much time trying to rationalize why we belong in the room and why there should be stories about us, why there should be like more representation. And because there's been so much focus on trying to justify that, we aren't putting enough focus on the actual, how do we do it better now? How do we take it to the next level? And now's the time where we really need to start focusing on like, Okay, hopefully they can accept this now. Everyone that we're working with, like accept that truth so that we can now put more of our time and energy into leveling up and like the focusing on the how instead of the why. Right, right. Yeah. So following on what Laura and not in your episode, you said that I just I rather have someone real, although it doesn't come from 
like my own country doesn't have my accent, but I rather have that than have someone completely fake, um, basically trying to fit into an idea that it actually not. One thing in particular, right, is I think um, Nat kind of touched on this. Oftentimes, I think our industry is striving for perfection, right? And I think that we should really be aiming at progress over perfection, right? And so a lot of the times we um, make our decisions based off of data and insights, right? And if the data and insights or the studies haven't been produced, then no one wants to take the chance, right? And I think that's the beautiful part about our jobs as, you know, Latino and myself, black and Latino, like creatives. This is something I try to talk about a lot, right? Is like our impact, our intentions versus our our impact that we're having on the communities. One thing that I pulled out from listening to Nat speak, and this is something I out. I'll always remember, this was probably one of the first conversations I had with Nat when I first joined the team. Um, how can we we cast someone who is a Latino, Afro-Latino, you know, to give this different perspective? And the immediate feedback tends to be, well, what's the demand, right? And Nat, I think, painted this or, or said this so eloquently like a year, year and a half ago. We're missing the we're we're missing the point if we're casting right just to fill a spot just to you know I think it's important right to have an Afro Latino you know voiceover actor in an Afro Latino driven campaign right but I think that there um, if you know Steve Keller kind of paints this picture also we want to kind of stray from if if we're only casting Afro Latino voiceover actors in Afro Latino situations or campaign inspired campaigns right we start to kind of blur this line between market segmentation and we start to kind of lean into market segregation and um this is something that steve kind of brings up all the time and i think it's just so important to call out that that really speaks to going beyond this one size fits all right idea and that what is the real experience here when we step back and look at what we're trying to do here and I think it's it's in those nuances. And like you said, Antonio, it's like having we have this amazing opportunity to amplify and highlight like just how we started off this episode of like, look, look at all of us, completely different backgrounds. But generally we get lumped into one category. Right. And I think that's what we've tried to do with this series. Right. Hispanic voices is to really like break through the idea that we're, we're a monolith. And we keep saying, you know, I, I keep saying it and other people keep saying it, but it's true. It's like there's so much diversity here. I think was it you, Melanie, that asked a question to Nat about, you know, how you can maintain your authenticity in in the copy that you're bringing forth. And I think Nat responded and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you know, you have to be of the culture. Right. To, to kind of like write for the culture, right? And I think that that was really important. So as a Latina, you know, being able to communicate to other Latinos or, you know, people in the Latina community, I think it's really important to not skip that step and for people to really, from the creative side, to understand bringing in, you know, those multicultural creatives, you know, from the beginning uh, is extremely important. Yeah, and like Claudia touched on in her interview and I, I reiterated in mine, which was not just one person is checking that box. You know, we all um, have such varied experiences and we need to make sure that we aren't the sole voice representing this huge market. So, you know, always making sure that we're, we're not satisfied with just, you know, 
the bare minimum and always pushing for more because this is such a diverse market. For sure. And one thing I you know, want to just highlight and just always amplify or, or what does my friend say? Give flowers to Natalie is that you're always really trying to speak up for that and make sure that that's top of mind when we're in these creative you know we either have like we'll have these brainstorms or we'll be even when we're working through this concept you know or that idea that that that's really important that not everyone is really thinking about yeah that's the work that's the work you know yeah I, I think a lot about how it's very possible that I've gotten access to certain opportunities and been in certain rooms because of my uh, I want to say like almost white privilege <laughs> in its own way mm. as a sometimes white passing Latina and always being aware of that privilege and making sure that um, I'm doing my best to bring others into the room and advocate as much as possible because it's kind of like with great quote unquote power comes great responsibility. I feel that it's also very important to educate the customer because at the end of the day, we're the ones that know it's our responsibility that make sure that they know that, I mean, Latin culture has always been there. Claudia said it in her interview. We're here all year, all year long. It's not like we're just one month in Hispanic Heritage Month. It's very important to make sure that brands continue that consistency in order to capture the audience. Yeah, and, and to piggyback on that, Nydia mentioned show through the subtleties, through the the way we live our day to day lives, because we're past that point of telling us who we are and only demonstrating who we are in these big like stereotypical scenes like I brought it up in my interview like a quinceanera like I feel like that's mm -hmm. always something that that uh, gets pushed into ads it's broadening that lens yeah. right of the point for me was like avoiding the trap of limited experiences just weave us into the culture how can brands go from a month to all year right we're just in we're in the messaging it's just part it's not like we're highlighting this BIPOC person for this specific reason no They can be the main character. They can be the, you know, the background character, whatever. Just have us in there yeah. all year round instead of trying it to be a one thing. Yeah. And in the media that we've been consuming our whole lives, uh, you know, we accepted when there was the protagonist was always white, even if it was something that had to resonate with everyone. But now suddenly when the tables are turned, we have to rationalize, like, why does it make sense to have a non-white person fill this main role. Another thing is that Nat and I get to work a lot together, right, from the creative side. There's this other aspect to this, right? So, so you have the multicultural creative side and then you have DEI, right? And both kind of have their own separate strategies and both have their own separate importances, right? But one of the cool things is now I get to work with Laura like a bunch, right? As our new PM, big ups to her. And it's really cool to be able to, this kind of just speaks to the overall importance of having Latinos or people of color in a multitude of positions, right? Because oftentimes, 
you know, if we're stuck or even for this this podcast, right? A lot of the creative ideas also came from LC, right? And this is why it's really important to include people on all levels and make sure that it's not just our creative teams. Mm -hmm. It's not just, you know, our PMs or, you know, we want to see, you know, across the board. For the, the business side, it's like, this is an example of what we mean when we have representation at all levels, right? A PM that has a different background, copywriters and production coordinators and creative director. It's like not just pigeonholed into this one thing. So if I'm an advertiser, if I'm a, a, a big company, this is what it looks like. And this is this is how you bring that representation into the fold. And then it starts to happen organically, right? Which is what happened here. And, uh, and I think that's pretty cool. And again, we didn't plan for this to be like that. It's just like we had the people. Wow. Yay. We could bring everyone together. And guess what? A very interesting and different point of views, which I find very fascinating and important. And I started out in an operations role and now I'm a copywriter only because the team embodied this philosophy of you don't have to stay in your own lane and everyone can contribute ideas. And it's what empowered me to realize I can be a creative. I'm a good creative. And, you know, before the operations role, like I used to be a writer. I studied as a journalist. I studied Spanish, too. And so it's like I had the background for it, but I didn't think I could be empowered to actually do that at this company. And so I'm really glad that this team embodies that philosophy. And I know, Melanie, you were going to say something about this, too. Yeah. So I agree 100% with you, Nat and Omero. And Jose touched a little about that, that we need to convey unity because at the end of the day, although we come from different countries, we all have the same, not nationality, but the same culture and roots. So... We're the ones that and have just to one stand other thing, up I know for we're, each other we're getting close to time. We're a day, music company, well, and well. I just want to close with your thoughts on another theme that came up from the interviews was artists and their authenticity is truly pioneering truthful representation in the media, right? We talked about the VMAs and how that has a ripple effect into what we're doing now. I'd love to maybe, you know, if someone wants to just share their thoughts on that. Yeah, um, I love that we're finally starting to see more like unapologetic Latinidad in these mainstream music spaces. Everyone talks about Shakira when she first started. Ella era rockera, you know, mm -hmm. she was not. And then she like dyed her hair blonde and she went pop. Um, but she's still, even then, like, and Marcos touched on this in his interview, her album Laundry Service had a Spanish version and an English version. Like me, she she I had never seen someone famous be both Arab and Latina, which was my background. Ultimately did have to kind of change a little bit to kind of be accepted in the mainstream. And now it's like, no, I'm just going to release this song in Spanish because that's what this is. And the mainstream can accept it or they can't. And I love that everyone's coming around to it. Um, it makes me think about like when I was in the sixth grade, we all brought, funnily enough, like cassette tapes to class to if we wanted to share a song <laughs> with the class that we like really loved or were proud of or something like that. And I brought a Vallenato song. I brought a Carlos Vives song because that really resonated with me. And I was so proud. And I remember the second the song started and the accordion was going, the whole class like started laughing and like kind of making fun. And I was just like suddenly really ashamed. Like it didn't even cross my mind that that would be the, the reception to it. 
And you know what? If I were in the sixth grade today and I did it now, I bet you that that wouldn't be the reaction because now, like, this music is, like, we all embrace our differences and I'm really excited to see what comes in the future because we're finally starting to see that happen. We'll touch on it, but like the generational differences in how we approach music as well have been really interesting to see how that's developed. Um, I think in his interview, he he also talked about like having a playlist um, for his cleaning on Saturdays and like how he listens to salsa. And I literally have a playlist called Domingo and it is salsa, bachata, merengue, <laughs> vallenato, a little bit too not. Um, and it's specifically for that. But recently, one of the things that I was thinking, too, is like different generations like within the Latina community approach music so differently. Like, I feel like the older you get, the more it's like, oh, this is what these kids are listening to. And there's a lot of um, judgment from older generations on what, you know, the kids deem to be cool and popular. And a lot of that lately has been influenced by a lot of hip hop culture. More recently, I saw um, a couple of Venezuelan artists. I, I shared this with the team, but uh, Rawayana and um, Neutro Shorty, which are two Venezuelan artists, did a cover of uh, Milo Rivera's Incomprendido. Um, so to see like a pop artist and a hip hop trap Latin artist do this cover of a very classic salsa song um, I found that to be very touching and so representative of me because I am younger, but I listen to like all these quote unquote classic old songs and I love them and have so much appreciation for them. And it was really interesting to like read the comments of the YouTube video and it's like, oh, I'm 60 years old and I I know of you, but I didn't really like your music. But now that I, like you've done this, you have so much more respect for me. Um, and it's just nice to see like younger generations be tuned into like classic music and I feel like that's been something that I've noticed as a trend more recently um, and I think it's really cool to to watch that progression of how we continue to develop and show up in the mainstream but also how the younger generations still have that respect for the quote-unquote classics yeah I really appreciate that to piggyback on that Laura I feel that with the rise of the Nosao kids that also happens a lot because Nosao kids usually don't know Spanish, but they, they're still Latinos or Hispanics, so they want to listen to the music that we're listening to. So even though they don't understand what they're saying, they like how it sounds. And I feel that Bad Bunny also helped revolutionize the industry a lot in that aspect. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, uh, the, the music, music kind of like has this, there's two quick things. Music is like this cultural bridge, right? Um I love that Nat brought up, you know, her, I think you said Palestinian and Colombian roots. Um, and after spending five years in Barranquilla, you know, I did like a lot of traveling on the northern coast and going to places like Bayulupar and going to, you know, La Guajira and seeing how how many Lebanese there were. You know, we spoke about Shakira being from, you know, Barranquilla and, you know, having a Lebanese background as well. Um, it was just absolutely amazing. And I became a huge Vallenato fan. So I went into this deep dives of like, how did this, how did this uh, accordion kind of make its way into, into Colombia? And just seeing how like, you know, sailors from Germany kind of, you know, brought these German, not French, but German, you know, uh, uh, accordions. And how there was trade and commerce that was taking place and how music was that bridge between cultures and how we were able to like 
I said we as like I was Colombian, but like how able to take, you know, this this uh, this really cool instrument that was not native to to Colombia and then just make a completely like amazing genre of music, I think was just was just really beautiful. I, I also wanted to like add a final note to the musical conversation we were having, which is like recognizing that probably part of why Bad Bunny and Shakira got as big as they did is because like and. I'm bringing it back to this, but they're very light skinned. And, you know, Bad Bunny is like famous for reggaeton, which was, you know, popularized and created by black artists. El General was like the uh, godfather, godfather of reggaeton. And so I think it's really important to recognize that, like, we have really made major strides when it comes to popularizing latin music staying true to like our own sound but we still have great progress to make as a latinos and and in the mainstream like we need to st still be more inclusive and more give more space for other artists black artists afro latinos to also break into the mainstream and like really uh we need to recognize that and respect that and I think that's important, right? That's one thing that we actually didn't touch on too much in this miniseries was just the the whole thing of, of colorism. Is that is that what they say? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It comes up. And and I'm glad that, that you were able to, to bring that up so folks can at least think about that because those are conversations that are definitely happening and also important too. Again, Nat, always doing what you do, <laughs> elevating these these ideas or these just the, the, the challenges of... I think that it's important. Like, I often feel like a wet blanket in conversations, in creative conversations, mm -hmm. in other conversations. I feel like I'm always the one that's like, hold on, we're not doing it perfectly or we could do better. And, you know, as much as I feel that way, I think it's really important to keep being that person because we need that. Yeah. Like, we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard because I know we can. I know we can always do better. And that's like, right. doesn't mean that we don't appreciate where we've come so far and where we don't see it, but it's always good to see how can we do better? How can we be more inclusive? How can we see more representation? Because right. no matter what like goal we set, there's always like an even better goal beyond that one that we could then strive towards. So I hope that everyone doesn't like rest once you've checked that box or like hired an additional person that represents the culture you're trying to speak to. Like, just keep striving for more. Mm, yeah, that's that's true. And again, it's like, I appreciate everything that you bring. I appreciate all of you and everything that you all have brought to this and the work that we do. And again, like everyone has worked really hard on this on top of what, all the things that we have to juggle. So I thank you. And I'm going to close that. And thanks again for everything. All right, folks, that is a wrap. Our aim was to provide you with a deeper understanding of the dynamic and ever-evolving Hispanic and bicultural landscape. Yet, a universal message emerges. You know, as creatives and marketers, we should always strive to break through stereotypes and be inclusive in our storytelling. While we delved into the insights from our Latinx culture, these principles resonate across all cultures. A heartfelt thank you goes out to the amazing individuals I've had the privilege to collaborate with. A special shout out to Nat, Laura, Antonio, Melanie, and a big thank you to Eileen Chu, who is our lead audio producer that mixed and produced the show. I also want to give a big plug to our B2B team, Cecilia Cruz, for her impeccable art direction. Brian Ewan for the art production. 
And a big thank you for the folks that you don't necessarily see or even hear about that are behind the scenes. Diane Ott, Morgan James, and Gabby McGarvey, all the folks on the B2B side. I got to put the business hat on real quick. If you want to learn more about us, you can head on over to SXM Media. Do you have a story to tell? A goal to reach? We can help you with that. We have the most powerful audience connection, unmatched industry expertise, and the most dynamic portfolio in audio across SiriusXM, streaming music, and podcast. So yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember, stay true to yourself. Have a good one.